and elaborate on the apostolic this morning because it's so crucial. The apostolic is the, what really comes first. And, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus is amazing. I, you, know, you can't have enough words to describe Jesus. They just, words cannot describe him, how wonderful and awesome he is. Um, he is, you know, on, he is prophet, priest, and king. He functions in all three roles. He also functions in all five of the fivefold. Nobody is a better apostle than Jesus or prophet than Jesus or evangelist and teacher and pastor. So remember, Jesus is always our model. It's Jesus that we look to. Always, it's always about him. We always must look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And he is the apostle of our profession or our confession, as some translations say in Hebrews 3. He says, Therefore, holy brethren, he's talking to the brothers here, partakers of the heavenly calling. We have to realize each one of us are partakers in a heavenly calling. If you're in this church, if you are saved and filled with the Spirit, you have a heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, meaning the Father, who appointed him. He was faithful in his appointment. This is what being an apostle is about, being faithful in your appointment, in your calling, whatever the Lord has called you to do, to be faithful in it. That is the heart of, the, of what the apostolic is about. We're going to talk about how the apostolic applies to your life and the specific role of the apostle in the church as well. But see, it all depends on what your calling is. Every one of us has a calling in many areas. And to step into that, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. You see, it's about being faithful in your house, in whatever responsibilities and calling that the Lord has given you to be faithful in it. When you're faithful in the little, then God will give you more. You see how the works in the kingdom of God. Well done, now you can have this. But God doesn't want to throw a bunch of stuff on you if you're not going to be faithful with it because he cares about you. He doesn't want to see you crushed under the burden of something that you can't handle. And he's just a loving God. He's a loving father. But Jesus was totally perfect and in his calling. He is an apostle. And I want to look at other apostles, specifically Paul, because he wrote so much of the New Testament. Paul is an apostle, and I want to go over some scriptures with you affirming this, but it is about building the house of God, whatever the Lord God has entrusted to you. So in this sense, we can all be apostolic in our motivation, though we might not be called to the position of apostle in the church. You see, there's a difference. But Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Remember, Christ is the head apostle. Apostle Paul is also an apostle. But he's saying, imitate what you see in me. The apostolic nature really represents the heart of God. It's what you really need to understand about the apostolic. This is why it must come first in establishing the church. It must be founded on that father heart of God and God's motivation to build the household of God and the kingdom of God. We're all members of God's household, and we must take our calling seriously with whatever it might be. The word, we get the word apostle from the word apostolos in the Greek, and this is mentioned 78 to 81 times in the, in the New Testament, depending on 
what uh, translation you might be reading. And it means um, it's a delegate, a messenger, one sent forth with orders. Sent forth with orders. Jesus was sent forth with orders from the Father and fulfilled that. Paul was given orders to establish churches and to, and to make sure that they were functioning properly. He would stay there for a time, teach and preach. You know, Paul, he's an apostle, but he also calls himself a, a teacher and, and as well. And um, we got to keep that in mind. That's in um, for, uh, 2 Timothy 1.11. He says, Paul says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to the Gentiles. So he called himself that, but his primary role and function in the church was as an apostle. And we can see that very clearly in Scripture. It's apostolic is about being sent out to bring the dominion of God wherever you go and to establish that, not just to bring it, but to establish it. That's where the fruitfulness comes in. Paul says, I don't want to labor in vain. I don't want you to lose it. I, what I established here must be maintained. I will do whatever it takes at whatever cost to make sure what has been established in you is not lost. And uh, Paul guards over his church very carefully. That is part of the role we'll look at as the apostolic. In the same way, we guard and over what the Lord has entrusted to us as well. I want to differentiate the heart of the apostolic, which was what we imitate. This is what we all need to be. We all need to have that apostolic heart. And then the specific function of the apostolic office in the church. Just because there's a specific, you might not be in that specific apostolic function in the church doesn't mean you cannot be, you need to be apostolic with what's been entrusted to you, whatever that might be. He's called by God. We know Ephesians 4 says, some, He gave some, He, meaning the Lord, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then we see later on in uh, Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Remember, you're a member of the body of Christ, but you're also a member individually. When you stand before the Lord, it's just going to be you standing before the Lord. There's an individual responsibility there, but it is you're responsible for whatever God's put you in, in charge of, but you are uh, rewarded based individually. So always keep that in mind that it's both. Um, these are, I want to read this to you on 1 Corinthians. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And God has appointed these in the church. You have to understand this is an appointment by God for the church. Now we're talking about the specific church offices. First, apostles. Apostles come first. And, it, and God does put apostles in place. Not every church is... is uh, most churches are not led by an apostle. Most of the time, the apostle will start the church and then have somebody else be the senior leader and run the church, but maintains oversight over it to make sure that there is always... Uh, it's functioning healthy and properly. Second prophets, third teachers, and after that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. But I want you to see that these are appointed in the church, that it is a specific appointment. 
Some things are unique to these appointed offices, the way they function and the breadth of their authority. There is an authority that comes with these positions and a great amount of responsibility as well. And everyone that's in these positions should never take that lightly. Even being an elder, if you are an elder of a church, it is a very high calling and there is a huge responsibility that comes with that. Um, so when we look at Paul, we look at the, we, we're really examining uh, the apostolic. And the cent- for me, the cent- one of the biggest things of the apostolic is that it is, there is an unction that comes on um, this. For Christ did not send me, this is 1 Corinthians 1.17, to baptize but to preach the gospel. There's a preaching of the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross should be of no effect. It's not just words that the apostle brings, but demonstration of it. The first thing that I want to point out about the apostolic is that it is a specific calling. I'm going to, tr- I'm going to talk about 10 things this morning. I'm going to move fast. I'll try to get through all 10. If not, that's okay. There's more than 10. I just identified 10 for you this morning. And uh, so Paul refers to himself as an apostle. He is set aside as an apostle. I want you to see the way an apostle fulfills his assignment and the way he has a burden for others. See, whatever you're calling, if you're a mom, you have a calling and a responsibility. I'm a husband. I have a calling and a responsibility to be faithful as a husband and fulfill that calling. I am a dad, and I have a, full, I have a calling in that to be a dad. I am a dad, and that means that I need to make sure things are running properly in my house. I have a responsibility in that area. If you have a job, you have a certain responsibility in that area to do it excellently and as un- do your work as unto the Lord. See, this is how you can be apostolic in whatever it is that you do. It's being faithful in what you've been given, to be faithful. Jesus was faithful. Moses was faithful. Hebrews 11 is full of people that were faithful in their calling and whatever that might be. Listen, to, I love the way Paul prays. I really can understand his heart for people. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, we, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. You think about that. This man established this church. This is Colossians. And he doesn't stop praying for the people. Think about the burden he has and, and the love he has for this people in fulfilling his calling that he doesn't stop praying for people. Maybe God's given you a burden for something, just to pray, to pray. And we always pray for your family. If you're a dad, pray for your kids. If you're at your job, pray for those around you. There's intercession involved. That you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. One of the most important things Paul wanted for those people in the church was to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's an apostolic prayer. You can pray those kind of apostolic prayers in your household and see things shift. Amen? With all wisdom, and we need wisdom. We need spiritual understanding. We don't need psychology. There's too much psychology. That's why there isn't the breakthrough in the church that there needs to be. We're operating out of our soulishness, our minds, what we think is right or what we heard somebody else say instead of the wisdom and understanding and knowledge of God. There's a higher knowledge, okay? To be a Gnostic is human knowledge. 
Epinosis is a, a higher knowledge. We should put the word e in front of gnosis. I mean, epinos, it means a higher knowledge, a God knowledge of wisdom and understanding. Paul knew the people needed this, otherwise they would not be sustained. He says, knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. We're to fully please God in everything that we do. We fully please him. We can fully please him when we're filled with the knowledge of his will, living out of his voice in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, being fruitful in every good work. We're to be fruitful in every work and increasing in the knowledge of him, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Don't you love that? Is that, I mean, I could just read that over and over again. And he has a similar prayer of power. These are like just power and love prayers, I call them, in Ephesians 3 that he says, I pray that out of the riches of his glory that you would be strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. Paul wanted the Ephesians, you need to be strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit so that you're not led astray by this nonsense in the world or fake doctrine, false, you know, uh, false, just untrue stuff, whatever it might be. Paul wanted to make sure everybody was stepping into their calling and to, so that the life of Jesus would explode, the kingdom of God would explode all around him. This is what the apostolic brings. This is what you bring wherever you go in your job. You're apostolic on your job you're, because you're faithful to your calling. And you depend on his wisdom and understanding wherever you go. And you depend on him to give you breakthroughs. And you believe that the words you speak are filled with power. And the spirit of God's presence is there Whatever you speak, when you speak a word of wisdom, it, there's power. It's not just words, but power being released wherever you go. Yes. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, he says, I didn't come with words, persuasive words of, of my, my speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Everywhere you go, this is the apostolic being released wherever you go. And uh, it is faithfulness. It's about being faithful to your calling. This is the apostolic. Apostolic motivated people are focused on their assignment and engaged in prayer for the people they're assigned to and love and care for. That was number two, if you're keeping notes. When you engage, the apostolic engages in prayer, heaven gets involved. When you pray, heaven gets involved. You're not going through the motions or anything. You realize that you're filled with the Spirit of God and you release Him. Wherever you go, your prayers are powerful and shift situations in people's lives, whatever it might be. Um, number three, the apostolic, remember one of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. It's kind but not compromising the word. It is not soft. It's not easy to be apostolic. It's not easy to be a person of God. It runs countercultural to the world and its understanding. It's not easy. And Paul, Paul went through a great deal of suffering and torment by standing in truth. And um, if you're apostolic in the church, and this might be the situation on your job as well. If you're an elder, whatever it might be. If you're a job and you're a supervisor, you have a responsibility. If you're at your job, whatever it might be, you work your way up. You're faithful in doing this, then God will make you supervisor before you know it. And then manager, whatever, before you know it. Then that comes higher responsibility with it. 
And there's authority that comes with that responsibility. And apostles walk in this. And Apostle Paul was actually given authority to judge. The apostolic role in the church has authority to judge. And Paul judges what's within the church. He has to have that authority to judge. Otherwise, anybody can do whatever they want to do, and there's no, there's no order at all. And uh, Paul is not afraid to name names. And I'll show you examples where he actually names names. He kicks people out of the church, he, but he does it all in love. He says, you know, I, 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 you know, I warn him, we're, we're, you know, he approaches people, let's, you know, let's deal with this, let's do it. But if they don't listen to him, if they don't believe what they're doing is wrong, then he says, that's it, you're not going to defile my house. He makes sure his house is not defiled. I, as a dad, if I see some garbage entering my house, I have to deal with it. I don't let it remain. I would not be a faithful dad if I let my kids do things that were defiling and causing defilement in the house. This is why you need the apostolic in the church to deal with this so the church will remain. It loses, a church will lose its power if there's defilement in it and bad things are allowed to happen in the church. We read in the letters to the churches in Revelations, I have this thing against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Or, you know, there's different things. You should, and because it wasn't that apostolic order, this is why it has to come first and foremost. In 1 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 1 through 5, Paul says, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. And he names it, I'm not gonna. And you are puffed up and have not mourned that this deed might be taken away from among you. See, the elders should have, done with this, should have dealt with this, but they didn't, so Paul had to deal with it. He put people in place, but they weren't doing their job. For I indeed am absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present. He made a judgment. This is the apostolic. This is the role. Individual members of the body of Christ, they shouldn't do this. This is for the apostolic. There's different, for people in the body of Christ, it's laid out. If you're not in the apostolic role, Jesus says in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he will not hear you, then take one or two more witnesses, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. If he refuses to hear then, tell it to the church. This is on an individual basis, so that believer, you know, believers aren't judging one another. That's for the elders to do, and the apostolic to do. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, but if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. See? So this is what Jesus said. If Jesus said it, was it? What's that old? What's that old bumper sticker go? He said it. I believe it. That settles it. Let me get back to First Corinthians five. All right. He says, "I have already judged him who has done this deed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." Listen to this. When you are gathered together along with my spirit. Because, he, because Paul's the one that made the decision, right? With the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I get, I've got chills right now reading that scripture. Okay, this is not to be taken. I mean, this is some heavy, this is heavy. The apostolic is heavy. There is a weight to it. We need to understand that. Some of we're, churches, many churches are lacking this weightiness of this authority that the apostolic brings to bring order. 
He said, this has to be dealt with because it is destroying this church. And Paul has to do it. And he names names even. He goes in um, 1 Timothy 1. He turned him over to Satan. I mean, that's what it says. With the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. You don't hear that preached very often, do you? This is an apostolic message. <laughs> okay. Oh, God really, you know, God's house, he cares about it so deeply and bringing it in order. It really, the church needs to stand out. It needs to be a light shining in the darkness, doesn't it? 1 Timothy 1.18, I've got a bunch more points to hit, so I'm going to go quicker. Um, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. You know, it's a fight out there to stand in faith. Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered Satan to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul was turning people over to Satan. Okay, and not, this is not something that the normal, this is an apostolic position of authority. This is what they do. This is not for someone that's not an apostle to do in the church. The elders, yes. Okay? In 2 Timothy 4, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. He names names, by the way. Can you see this? May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, I, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral per people of the world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. You see the difference? Who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or reviler, drunkard, extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not know, do you not judge those that are inside? Saying, I judge those inside, not outside. I want you to see that. But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, nor sodomites. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Okay, if we, if 1 John 1, 9 says, we're con if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Okay, Paul does not want his people being deceived in the church. You know, see, apostles, they establish it, and then they usually hand it off to someone and elders and a team that will continue to grow the church, and they move on to another place. Paul would stay, you know, sometimes a year, sometimes two years in a specific city. And this is tough with the apostolic. That's not easy. I remember Bill Johnson had one of his students went nuts and um, was leading people astray, and he had on a Sunday sermon. They tried to, they tried to deal with it, but he wouldn't repent. But because, because he came from that house, you see, Bill had to call, Bill Johnson had to call this young man out and say, please, everyone, don't have anything to do with him anymore. He's in rebellion and witchcraft, all kinds of stuff. So have nothing to do with him. That's not easy to do. You know, that's, that's heavy duty. And, but this is, this is part of the role. Uh, four apostles speak with great authority from revelation that received. 
See, you can speak with great authority as God gives you revelation to deal with situations, situations at work. God's giving you words of wisdom to deal and break through in those situations. Home life, I don't know what to do sometimes. I don't act like I know what to do. When, I'm, when I get on my knees and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need you. I, never assume you know what to do. If you think you know what to do, God says, well, you know what to do. You handle it. <laughs> I just say, no, God, I don't have a clue. Help me. I have your spirit, and that's enough, but I need your wisdom. I need to hear your voice on how to deal with this situation in the house, Lord. Uh, Ephesians 3.5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles. Revelation, it's been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and prophets. Apostles, number five, have signs and wonder breakthrough. There is a great level of breakthrough. How many of you know any believer can lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Mark 16. Every one of you, born again, filled with the Spirit, can lay hands on the sick and see them be healed. Every one of you. That's for everybody. But there are certain signs that come with this position of apostle within the church. 2 Corinthians 2.12. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you. They're signs of an apostle. Apostle carries these signs with him among you, and it's for the church, with all perseverance, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Mighty deeds. It's just, it's, just an, it's just another level that goes with it. There's great responsibility on the apostolic, and he has a greater, he or she, whatever this person is, has a greater breakthrough as a result. Acts 19, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. One translation says extraordinary miracles. Now, I thought a miracle was already extraordinary, but apparently there's extraordinary miracles, which sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? See, all of you have miracles in your hands, but then there's extraordinary miracles. Go figure that one out. Now, God worked extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Isn't that nice? Healed and delivered all in one. Here's a hanky. Get healed and delivered. That's powerful. Here, let me just touch that hanky. Now put it on whoever you want. All the demons will come out of them and they'll get healed. Acts 5, 15. They brought the sick onto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Come on, that's heavy. That's isn't that awesome. That's heavy, dude. I love to read that. Number six, apostles have, have seen Jesus. God doesn't need a whole lot of apostles. You know that? Look about all the churches that one apostle Paul established. I mean, they, 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 one guy can, one person can really have a big region of, of influence in the apostolic. Um, and they always point to Jesus. Apostolic is all about pointing people to Jesus. Paul saw Jesus. Most apostles that I know that are functioning in this role in the church today have had some kind of an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Um, I want to read a verse to you about pointing to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. See, back to wisdom again. Wisdom and understanding of God. This is what we must have, not earthly wisdom, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Glory in the Lord. Let you who glorify, 
glory in the Lord. See, it all points to him, giving him the glory. Number seven, apostles use gifts and encourage and equip the saints in the work of the ministry. And that's for all the fivefold, to equip the saints. Every saint should be equipped. Every saint should be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit within them and the love of God that is within him. Paul was a lover. He was an ultimate lover. He had to do tough things sometimes, turn people over to Satan, whatever it might be. And that's tough stuff. But he was, first of all, a lover. That's, he established everything, rooted and grounded in love. 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love. Pursue love, he says first, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. It's so important for us to prophesy. Come to Reverend Jerry's class. Do whatever you need to get equipped in the prophetic. It's so important. Don't be a nominal. There's no reason for you to be a nominal Christian. You should be seeing miracles from your hands. You should be getting words for people. That's for everybody. Is that what Paul just said? Did I not read that? This is for everybody. Desire spiritual gifts. This, this is a letter to everyone in the church. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. You've got to receive love. You get into your prayer closet. You just receive love from him. We love because he loved us first. You have to receive love first before you love. You're not going to be able to love people if you don't receive love from him. You won't love well as well. There's always more. I can love more. We can all love more. We can all walk in more. But let's be diligent in it. We don't want to waste our time. These days are precious that we have on this earth. We don't waste our time. I mean, okay, I like football. Okay, enjoy it. But keep it in context, and don't let it keep you and hinder you from growing deeper and deeper and deeper. The average believer is a fraction of what they should be. There shouldn't be any such thing as an average believer. God doesn't make average believers. We're sons. I don't have average, average children. You know, I've got five kids. One of them's, no, two or three of them are average. Two of them are, you know. You know, father doesn't have average kids. Pursue love, that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue, and then he goes into the tongues. And, uh, and in 1 Corinthians 14, says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Y'all. Corinthians had a little bit of southern. It was kind of down south a little bit, that church. So, you know. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others. He wants to make sure he teaches. It's spirit and in truth. Pray in tongues. Every believer should be praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you're praying in the heavenly language. This is for everyone. That's Okay. You pray in the tongues, you're, but, and when you pray in tongues, you see, Paul says, remember, I never stop praying for you. So when he's praying in tongues, he's not thinking about if the Eagles are going to win this afternoon on the football field while he's praying in tongues. See, you need to pray in the Spirit and in your understanding. As you pray in tongues, you also pray with your understanding at the same time. See, I can sit in my prayer room and think about the 15 things that I need to do today and go but that's not as fruitful see but when I am thinking about somebody 
if God's put somebody on my heart to pray for, or if I'm just sitting there, I just want to give you glory, Lord. So I'm thinking about the Lord. I'm thinking about him seated with Christ in heavenly places, him and me, me and him. And I'm praying in tongues while my mind is dwelling on the truth of where we're seated with him in heavenly places or the truth about how the kingdom is being released and a prophetic that God gives me a prophetic word to declare over someone that's lost, somebody that's on drugs. And I'm just thinking about that in my head, seeing the breakthrough of coming to that person while I'm praying in the spirit. How many of you know that's the whole nother level? That's what we need to be doing. That's what he's saying here that we need to do. You pray and then there's a release while you're praying because your mind and your spirit are working together hearing from the Holy Spirit sons of God led by the Spirit of God I better land this plane apostles number eight have a range of authority in the church to call things out and straighten things out but they know where their authority lies this is a very important verse in 2nd Corinthians 10 we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. Paul knew where his sphere was. It was those churches he was responsible for, not other ones. A sphere which especially includes you. This is for the Corinthians. He says, you're part of the sphere. You're part of my, I, you know, I'm responsible for you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure that is in other men's labors. See, he doesn't go into other people's labors. They're responsible for them. In my sphere, I'm responsible for my family. If I see someone else's kid acting up in the grocery store, it's not my problem. If I see my kid acting up in the grocery store, that's my responsibility. That's, I need to, that's my authority. That's my sphere. But having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Now that your sphere could see your sphere just keeps going out, but you don't go into a sphere that's belonging to somebody else and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. See, apostle knows their area. They know that their extent, they know where they're responsible and where they're not responsible. And they know that their range of authority only extends to their sphere of so they know their calling. They know what they're there to do. Make sure you know your sphere and you don't extend into somebody else's, whether that's at your job or whatever it might be. You get promoted, then you get another sphere, you see, of responsibility. That's why Jesus said that in Matthew. If, you, if your brother's offended, you go to him. But that's not your sphere to, to go into judgment. That's for another sphere. That's for the elders and the apostleship. Apostles suffer as they stand for truth. You know, there is suffering as you stand for truth. You will suffer. Every believer will suffer persecution. When, you're, when we're living the way we're supposed to live, there will be that. There'll be persecution. But it's okay because you get glory in it. I was appointed a preacher, teacher, apostle, a Gentile. For so this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you heard from me. Hold fast what you heard from me. Remember Paul says, imitate me. Hold fast what you've heard from me in faith and love which are in Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit. 
Keep by the Holy Spirit what has been committed to you. Examine your sphere. Examine what places the Lord has given you authority and be apostolic there. Wife, dad, supervisor, husband. I have responsibilities in my house. I have responsibilities within the church as the Lord wills and directs. Know what it is and just be faithful. Be like Paul. Pray those apostolic prayers like Paul has prayed. The last thing, apostles have spiritual sons and daughters. And they rep, the apostolic represents the father heart of God. Paul had many, Timothy, Titus. And the apostolic is about reproduction. God will give you people. You don't have to have natural sons and daughters. Okay? Paul didn't. Paul wasn't married. Paul had many spiritual sons and daughters. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. Do you love that? Through Christ Jesus, Paul says, I've begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, because of that fact and that reality, imitate me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in the church. The apostolic is a family affair. Don't lord it over one another like the sons of men. Do not so with you. The apostolic serves, equips, 